Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Genesis. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you. As many as come out of the ark, I will establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I have made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. A reading from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. My God, I put my trust in you. Let me not be humiliated, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Let none who look to you be put to shame. Let the treacherous be disappointed in their schemes. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and you have I trusted all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and love, for they are from everlasting. Remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. Remember me according to your love and for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Gracious and upright is the Lord. Therefore he teaches sinners in his way. He guides the humble in doing right and teaches his way to the lowly. All the paths of the Lord are love and faithfulness to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. A reading from 1 Peter. Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey. When God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water, and baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and believe in the good news.
the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, it's great to be back with you all. So don't mind coming to church regularly for the last month or so. Uh, you may be wondering, did I just hear this gospel lesson? We did. At the beginning of uh, Epiphany High, this same reading was read for the baptism of the Lord on the first Sunday after Epiphany. And uh, that was back in January 7th. But here we are. Month has passed, and we're back at the Jordan River. Jesus coming up out of water. Uh, today, though, we find ourselves in a different season. This time, Jesus is still dripping with the water from his baptism. He finds himself being driven out into this into the wilderness by the Spirit. So we find these repeating themes. Um, that I want us to pay attention to some of the details. Um, Fred Craddock, who was a renowned preacher and was a professor at Emory, made an interesting observation about this first chapter in Mark. He said, meant to recall all the early kind of mythical events of the people of Israel. He said, a new exodus, Jesus recapitulates this journey of Israel. And I think it might even be more than that. In other words, the storyteller that Mark is, is saying that Jesus is the embodiment of the story of the Israelite nation. God has taken up residence in this dude. We see him, and we're, we're immediately supposed to be drawn back into the story, which is our story, right? The original hearers of the gospel were Jewish people, so they knew their story. And so the way that Mark tells the story is supposed to draw us in and say, I know these, I recognize these little, little tidbits here and there. And it's my story. And I am him, in a sense. He's living out our story. The baptism of Jesus recalls the exodus from slavery in Egypt as he goes into the waters and comes back out. Forty days in the wilderness recalls our ancestors of forty years wandering in the wilderness. That, that spirit, the dove that descends, were there echoes of Genesis in there? Were there echoes of Noah after the flood and what sign was brought to them by a dove? This good news that Jesus proclaims could it be a reckoning to the promise that God made to us in the covenant? Our story. That's what Mark is pushing all those little buttons. But the brevity of Mark's account of Jesus' wilderness temptation is a little bit shocking. I mean, retelling the major stories of Genesis, of the Torah, and four lines? <laughs> We might be tempted to turn a few pages either to Matthew's Gospel or Luke's Gospel. We get a fuller account of the discourse between Satan and, and Jesus and all these temptations and mountaintop experiences. But in Mark, we're just given Jesus, Satan, the wild beasts, and the angels. No details. But it's the eloquent brevity of Mark's account that is so powerful, I think. In these 
simple few lines, Mark shows us the scope and the depth of both cosmic and temporal, of both the universal and the individual. These are the realities that are all played here as we hear the beginning of the story of Jesus. A lot of unpacking can be done. And most of us, I think, get a lot of this just from a, a, a quick glance. Jesus is obviously the main character, Satan, a personified character, right? And so we have these individuals, and then we have the wild beasts mentioned. And you kind of wonder, well, what word is wild beasts? It's symbolic storytelling. So Mark's trying to do something with that. Well, what are those things? Maybe it's a, a hearkening back to Eden, the Garden of Eden, where all the beasts live together in harmony. I think maybe they're the beasts spoken of in the, in the, by the prophet Daniel. And Daniel, remember those four beasts that show up in Revelation again, right? Four great beasts representing political powers of the world. Traditionally, they've been, they've been identified as the ancient empires, Babylon and Persia, Greece and Rome. And thus, Mark proposes this basic confrontation. Satan and the worldly political powers of the empire on one side versus Jesus and the angels on the other. Which means that the personal temptation of Jesus in the wilderness is not isolated from the cosmic struggles between good and evil, between light and darkness. And this theme continues throughout the Gospel of Mark. We'll get those things over and over throughout this year as we continue to journey with, uh, with Mark and his Gospel. Earlier this week, on Ash Wednesday, which marks the 40-day journey of Lent toward Easter, we turned with Jesus into the wilderness of Lent. And it's there, in the wilderness, that we can be free from the distractions and comforts of the world that can serve to numb us from the limits of the mortality in which we live. Lent interrupts the cycle of forgetfulness, Many of us received ashes on our heads and heard a truth spoken of us. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember that you are going to die one day. We're all in the same boat. So keep your feet on the ground and realize your reality. As a priest, it's always especially striking to speak these words to the very old and to the very young, some of whom may not make it back around the trip to the trip around the sun to receive those ashes again and to hear those words spoken. It's also a little strange to have those ashes on infants who just began their the pilgrimage. But then we come home to news of yet another mass shooting of hundreds more civilians killed in Gaza, about a migrant crisis here in our country, of literal Nazis marching in Nashville, and I'm reminded of the great responsibility that we have to wake up from our forgetfulness and to bear witness to another way, a way of justice and hope and love for all people. And let we bear witness to the way of eternal life taught by Jesus in our here and in our now. But before we can really bear witness 
not there. Before we can go that way with Jesus, before we take to the streets and contact our Lord lawmakers and go to the ballot box and seek to help our neighbors in need, we must first be purified by turning into the wilderness of our own hearts. In the wilderness, we must honestly face the realities of our own loneliness, the reality of our own pain, of our own struggles and anxieties, and there we'll find the junction, the crossroads, where we meet the world's harsh realities of hunger and suffering and death, that they are very real and present companions of our neighbors, both near and far. We have to turn within ourselves and recognize that it begins in us, and we're connected to those needs. Remember, Jesus' temptation was both individual and personal, as well as spiritual and cosmic. We will learn from Jesus not to shun or avoid these bitter teachers of the wilderness. We must come face to face with these realities. We must meet our own true selves, beloved as we are of God, and see the truth of the broken sinfulness in our own selves, in our church, in our nation, the personal and the cosmic. We are connected to one another. Many of us take on Lenten disciplines as a way of, of trying to pay attention to those realities, as a way of marking our Lenten wilderness, and to remind ourselves that we are both mortal and connected to the suffering of this world. You are four days in, so keep it up. Some folks like to fast from certain foods or from alcohol, some fast from screen time and social media. Others had a spiritual practice or discipline like century prayer or the day of office. Many of you folks would and maybe should make an appointment with your priest to make a confession. <laughs> which many of you are always welcome to do any time of the year, but I think it's especially pertinent and poignant to do it during the season of Lent. If you've never made the practice, give Father Johnny a call. It's a it's something that I think in the Episcopal Church, we have neglected for far too long. All of these practices are reminders of our wilderness Lenten journey with Jesus, and they are well and good. But Lent is not just about fasting. Lent is not about spiritual disciplines. Lent is not even just preparing, preparing ourselves for Holy Week, unless it is first about becoming a better human being. If you are fasting or your your disciplines are not about repentance, which means turning around, which means changing your mind about becoming a better human being, then you are wasting your time. I mean, maybe giving up chocolate does that for you, and that's great. But Lent is just the first step in becoming a disciple of Jesus. Lent is about being honest about our own failures while also being equally honest about our accomplishments. Lent is not about beating yourself up. Lent is about learning empathy and to seek others' needs and desires and even their reputations ahead of our own. Lent is about learning to walk in humility and in truth. But Lent doesn't stop there. 
in our gospel lesson, Jesus proclaims, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Christ beckons us from the other side of the wilderness for us to repent, to turn, and to believe, to walk with trust. Not only becoming a better human being, and that's great, but acknowledging that we can't do that unless we turn toward God. To change our minds about the pursuit of power and selfish ambition, Christ beckons us to believe, to trust that God is leading the way into a future of reconciliation with our neighbors, with whom we have broken relations, about healing and equality for all people and for all of creation. But that path leads through the wilderness, filled with the beasts, the personal and the cosmic. As our nation and our world seems to accelerate faster and faster into a death spiral of violence and brutality and corporate greed and pride, Lent calls us back to the center, back to stand on solid ground. Lent teaches us that true humanity is restored only by a broken body on a rugged cross. That's the end of the road. That's why we come here. Week after week, is it not? Because the heart of the gospel can only be found here, on an altar, embodied by a broken body, given to broken people, so that healing might begin within a broken people, to be given to a broken world, the personal and the cosmic. We know and we are hopeful that at the end of the long road, through a wilderness of temptations and suffering and even death, there is an Easter morning waiting, but we're not quite there yet. First, we repent and believe, we turn and we follow.